This is 15 Minutes of Freedom. I'm your host, Ryan Nidell, and today's episode is how you do one thing is how you do everything. So as I've shared with you in other podcasts throughout the past 49 or 50 episodes, whatever number we're on at this current moment, I used to be a liar, like a massive liar. Not like little white lies consistently. Like, sure, I was telling those with no question. But more importantly, I was lying about every other aspect of my life. The only thing I wasn't lying about at that time were the sales volume numbers that I was doing inside of a dealership. And really, that was just because I couldn't lie about them. It was black and white. You know, I had to have everything documented. Given the opportunity, I probably would have lied back then to see if I could have made more money. And what I noticed through that time period is if I, if I take stock of really what I was lying about, it starts with the most massive lies that were going on. That was the lies to the women I was dating. See, that time in life, I shared with you guys before, and I'm not afraid to share it again, I was dating two or three women at a time. And these two or three women, you know, the longest relationship ended up being like four and a half or five years that this woman thought I was her one and only. And sure, as you're listening to this, you might think, like, how is that possible? Like, how dumb could these women be? These women were not unintelligent women. I was just the most massive manipulator on the planet. And again, it's not, not that I'm proud of, but it, there's context around this. And so in this, I'm lying to these three different women at every day. Literally, I'm texting all of them throughout the day from the office. Then I would leave the office and go visit one of them at her house on the way home to the, another girl's house that I was living with. And I'd spend a few hours with her. I'd tell the first girl that I was still at work, you know, that things were running over at the dealership. And then I would go home to the other. Then the third one comes around. And during this time, I decide to buy a house. And the third one, the, the first two don't know I'm buying a house. So the third one is coming to this house and helping me remodel it. And she's there during this time period helping me fix it up. And she doesn't know about the other two. So I'm leaving work at lunchtime. I'm doing different things at different times. I'm juggling all three. So I'm lying to these three women. I don't feel good about it, but it, it's what happened. Then what I find myself doing is, as I'm having to leave work and juggle all these things, then I'm starting to lie to my coworkers. I'm starting to lie about where I'm going or who I'm seeing. Because there's a fear of judgment inside me at that point. I know inherently what I'm doing is wrong. There's no part of me that's proud about my past. But it's truthful. Like I wasn't doing things the right way. And so now I'm lying to my coworkers about, oh, well, I'm going to get lunch. Well, I'm not going to get lunch. I'm going to my house that I'm buying to spend time with a woman that's helped me decorate it and remodel it that doesn't know about the other two girls. And so there's another string of lies. Then I start having to lie to my friends. There's two of my friends at this point that know enough of what's going on that they're encouraging the behavior because they themselves are not able to be faithful or don't put value on being faithful. We're all able to be faithful. They're deciding not to be. And so everyone else, though, that I would call a friend, I'm having to lie, you know, go to the gym with one of the girls. And to the outside world, that's my girlfriend. But then there's a separate group of friends that knows the other girlfriend. And then another group of friends that knows the third girlfriend. So here we are, like I'm telling lies now in social circles. And then I'm lying about why I don't have social media. I'm telling everybody I don't have social media at that point because it was something that was dumb. It was just for when I was in college. You know, now that I graduated college, I don't need Facebook. I don't need Instagram. Well, that wasn't true at all. I knew that if I was on Facebook or Instagram that the likelihood of me getting caught being an asshole was tenfold more than it was if I was staying off of social media. So I didn't have Facebook. I didn't have Instagram. 
the irony behind that is the way I got caught the very first time from the longest term girlfriend is someone showed her a picture of me with the second girlfriend from when we went skiing. And she sent it to me in a text message like 1030 in the morning asking, what is this? So I was caught red handed. It wasn't on my social media page, it was on hers. Then we start taking it a step further than this. I start looking at my, at my job, at the career. So at this point, I'm running or working at Crown Mercedes-Benz in Dublin. And I am, gosh, we'll say general sales manager at this point. And what's happening is I'm in charge of reconditioning the cars. So I have to determine what gets done on a car and what doesn't get done. I also go to auctions and buy cars. I'm in charge of inventory management. There's a lot of different facets of what I'm doing, but these are all things I'm in charge of. So what happens is I would take a car back to service and they'd give me a report on what they said needed to be done. So for me, I was cutting corners there and I was lying about what the cars actually needed. Not in a way that endangered anybody's safety, but just in the fact I would get a $4,000 repair bill and we'd scratch it down to 2,500 bucks. And I know that was just enough to pass the requirements and sell the car. So when a customer would come in and ask about the car, say, you know, it's fully serviced. Well, it's fully serviced up to the bare minimum requirements. It's not really fully serviced. Like there's a whole $1,300 of additional stuff I could have done to this car, but I decided not to because profit matters more than your ability to come back and buy a car the second time. See, I was myopic in my thinking. All I cared about was the now. I didn't care about the future. So much so that I ended up going down to Palm Beach, Florida to an auction. Remember very distinctly, there's this bright blue M6 convertible. Bright white seats, black floor mats, super excited to buy it. Like During that time period, I had basically an open checkbook, and I could go buy any car that I wanted, and I could drive it. So I had Ferraris and Lamborghinis and Maseratis and Porsches. Name a fancy car, and I was the 24, 25, 26-year-old asshole that had a dealer plate on the back buzzing around Columbus like it was mine. So I'm super excited to buy this car, and I'm standing in the auction line. I don't expect most of you to know what that looks like, but there's, imagine a big garage with 10 garage doors to it. And every four or five minutes, there's cars that pull in and out of each one of those garage doors. And there's men, especially down in Palm Beach, Florida, a bunch of sweaty men standing on either side of the drive aisle, listening to an auctioneer, and not one auctioneer, there's six or seven, ten auctioneers going at the same time. And you're listening to them, trying to understand what this car is going to sell for. So I'm watching and I'm listening, and here comes this blue M6, I'm so excited about it. And it gets announced to have frame damage. Now, in an M6, it's, it's a unibody car, and what that means is that every part of the car is attached to the frame. So if there's been an accident in the car, the frame damage doesn't necessarily have to be massive. It could just be that the subframe of the car had a little ding to it, and so you have to announce it as frame damage. So it only showed up on something called an auto truck report. It didn't show up on the Carfax, and I knew at Crown that we only showed people the Carfax. So I bought this car for pennies on the dollar because nobody else wanted to touch it. So here's a car that's worth, let's say, $40,000, and I buy it for thirty. dollars Trailer back to Ohio, get it all cleaned up, drive around you know, greater Columbus for two weeks, and a great customer of the store comes in and falls in love with it, wants to buy it. And I know the market average on this car is forty-five grand, So we sell it to him for, let's say, forty. So needless to say, we as a dealership made probably $8,000 on the car. Salesperson made a bunch of commission. I made a bunch of money, and this, the, the buyer felt like he got a great deal. Well, he got a great deal until he ran to the auction himself three years later, long after I was gone from Crown, and realized the fact that it had frame damage. Now, not necessarily something, again, I'll say from the way I drove that car, there was nothing wrong with that car, but we didn't disclose to him, or I didn't disclose to him at that time, that it had frame damage from an auto check report, because on Carfax, it didn't say it had frame damage. It said it had never been an accident. So here we are. 
I've left. The owner of the dealership calls me up and says, hey, we got this issue. Just want you to know about it. You might end up in court. Like, well, shit, that's been so long ago. I almost forgot about it. Needless to say, then I'm buying the car back and making it right with the guy. But it always based around a time in my life where all I was doing was lying. And take that even into then my body. Back then in the, in the car dealership world, all I cared about was eating and adding muscle. So of all these guys in the dealership that are asking me, you know, do you take steroids? My answer every time was no, of course not, no. Did once in college, but wouldn't do it again. Okay, at this point, I'm probably waddling around at 275 pounds, bloated, red-faced, high blood pressure. Like, it's pretty obvious to somebody that knows the look of an anabolic user that I'm taking steroids, but I'm just insistent to everybody that I'm not taking them. Again, a lot of it's embarrassment. A lot of it's pridefulness, not wanting to share with people what I'm really doing, but just another lie. And so I'm taking stock of all these things that are stacked up on top of each other, and I realize, like, I'm just a fucking liar. And how I'm doing one thing in that moment is how I'm now doing everything. It all starts with lying to these different women because I'm too weak in this moment to ever break up with one of them or sit down with them and tell them the truth like they're great women. Every one of them was a great woman in their own capacity. But they weren't great for me. And since then, they've all become married and have kids and life is good for all of them. But in the time, my story, the bullshit I was telling myself, the lies I had convinced myself of were that if I broke up with these women that their life would just be over and I'd have to deal with that shilt. The shame and the guilt. I'd have to deal with that for the rest of my life. Well, it's not true. I mean, Lord knows I'm not that special. I didn't have that big of an impact on anybody. But it's what I'd convinced myself of. So here I am walking around in a state of misery, afraid to tell the truth because I'm weak. And that's trickling down into every other aspect of my life. So how I'm literally doing one thing in my life ends up being exactly how I'm doing everything else. But what's a magic part of this is I had the choice later in life, I had the choice then, I just didn't exercise it, the choice later in life to switch my mindset, to understand that only, that doesn't only work on the negative, it works on the positive. You know, when you stop telling lies and you start being a person of integrity and you start holding yourself to your word and realizing the fact that if I can't, if I can't honor my own word to myself, how can I expect anybody else to honor my word to me either? I can't, it won't happen. So now when I look at my days and I get up at 4.30 and I meditate and I journal and I hit my core four and all the things that go on, I know that there's power in that. I know when I leave the house that I'm in a powerful position. I know I'm ready to tackle the day. So in tackling that day, as long as I'm always in that position of power, that's going to trickle down on everything else. Coupled with the fact that I'll just never tell a lie, that there's no point in lying. I certainly make mistakes. I certainly forget things. I certainly don't write things down. But when I do... I have to call somebody and say, like, look, you weren't important enough for me to write something down that was a commitment I made to you. So my word's dog shit to you, and I'm sorry that I'm a piece of shit, but I am. Like, you didn't matter enough. The first time you do that, the first time I did that, it dawned on me how powerful it was to take that ownership. Not in the fact of, like, it absolves me from what went on, but when you start speaking that out loud, you realize that your word matters. It matters a lot, especially when you have to frame it in such a way that you're responsible for not following through with it. Like, it's not an I'm sorry, I just forgot. Like, no, that sure, at some point you're sorry you forgot. That's not really what went on. You didn't value the person enough to actually honor your commitment. And so now when I go home and I commit every week to take Lindsay out on a date one-on-one or take John out on a date one-on-one and then date the family and date myself, like these are all commitments I make every Sunday when I do something called the General's Tent. And I honor those commitments to myself every week I can look back and I feel great the next Sunday. You know, I don't have to look back over my shoulder and say like, man, shit, I hope somebody doesn't find out about this. There is no hoping someone doesn't find out about things. 
Because what I've decided is doing one thing the right way leads to doing everything the right way. And it's all a choice. It's all a daily choice. Admittedly, it's all a minute-by-minute choice. So I don't care how big of a piece of shit I used to be. That is a used-to-be story. That is not who I am today. No different than yourself. You know, potentially it's in your body right now that you've told yourself these stories, that you've, you know, created this fabrication of what life is, and you're just doing one thing after another just to sabotage your body. You know, I've shared with you guys, one of my closest friends has what could be considered terminal cancer. And I'm with him, and he's a phenomenal man. He's literally one of the best guys on the planet. And I see him, and he's poisoning his body with alcohol and with pop or soda or whatever the hell you want to call it. He's eating bad foods, and he's causing inflammation in his body. And that's what happens when you do these things. And for those of you that don't know how your body works, I heavily encourage you to dive into it. I'll have some episodes about that coming up. But you look at really what happens when you have an inflammatory response in your body and you have an overabundance of oxygen that's not able to be present because the inflammatory response, it's the perfect nature, it's a perfect setting for cancer to grow. So if you already have cancer in your body or this individual has cancer in his body, by not doing the small things, he's not going to be able to do the big thing. He's not going to be able to have it that that cancer starts subsiding. Sure, you can pray about it and hope about it, but he's decided that you know, chemo and, and radiation are not for him. And I commend him for that. I think those are trash as well. But how he's doing that one thing is trickling to the rest of how he does everything else. Like he's living for the moment instead of living for the future. And again, I can't take full understanding of the appreciation of what it is to be told that you're going to die. We all know we're going to die one day. So I don't know what it's like to be in his position. What I do know is the fact that he's not doing the small things that are going to equate to the big things that lead to his long-term success. So I bet if he was honest with himself and looked at the rest of his life, whether it's in his business, if he's able to go all in on his business or on relationships, like, is he doing what feels good or is he doing what he knows is right? I'm going to bet it's the first one. I bet he's just doing what feels good. You know, same thing when it comes to, you know, potential relationship. You know, how you're doing the, the one thing in your relationship is how you end up doing the rest, the rest of the parts of your life. If you're not going all in on the relationship and honoring your commitment, Lord knows I was that guy. If you're every time you go out with your friends, you're on social media, you're, you're cruising for the next opportunity. I guarantee that's trickling over into every other aspect of your life. I guarantee that you're sitting at work, you're thinking about another job or another opportunity. But when you're at the gym, you're not thinking about being there. Your mind's omnipresent. It's everywhere else other than where it should be. That's a controlled burn. You can change that. Same thing when it, when it comes to your body or your business, like it's all self-encompassing. How you're doing one thing, how you think of one thing, how you view one thing, how you take action on one thing is end up how you do it on everything else. And all these things are powerful changes that you can make today. You can decide today to stop lying. You can decide to go all in for a long period of time with your significant other, or maybe you don't have a significant other right now, maybe you want one. You know, I've referenced in a past episode, speaking to a guy from Maryland, an avid listener to the show. This guy is amazing. He doesn't have a relationship right now. And the story that he's told me, that he's ultimately told himself, is that he needs to focus on his career, and so he can't find a woman. So what he's doing is going out and drinking, eating, partying, and just living it up. And this man's younger than I am. Mean, he's 25. I'm not judging him for his decisions. But I challenge him to consider the fact, just as I'll challenge you, like, is that really what's serving you? Is that really what you want out of life? Like, that's a, that's a bullshit story. Sure, you might work in a male-dominated industry, but when you leave work, if the caliber of woman you want is someone that's in shape, that takes care of herself, you're not going to find her in a bar. You're probably going to find her in a gym. If you want somebody that reads, that's an avid reader, you're probably going to find her in a library. 
Like think about where the caliber of person is that you're searching for, what ultimately hang out, and then go spend time there. Especially if it pours into your soul and you think those are good places for you to be. Like these are active decisions every day. And I'm going to challenge you as I wrap this up to start considering in your life, where could you make better decisions? Where could you have that one cosmic shift that will be the domino that knocks down the rest that when you stop telling yourself the lie, when you stop living outside of how you think you should live, that the rest of your life starts to line up. And this is not going to happen overnight. The man I am today is a combination and a culmination of now years of studying and work. Like I have not been an asshole for the past three and a half years to Lindsay. So that was the domino that started this whole thing was Lindsay believing me, believing in me enough to challenge me to be a better man which then eventually led into the Wake Up Warrior movement, which then led into all these other things and positive aspects, which then led into the study of metaphysics and how the universe works. Like, it's a domino effect that I'm now racing downhill with because how I'm doing one of those things is how I do all of them. And guys, as you, as you think about your life, when you start knocking down that first domino and decide that how you do one thing is how you do everything and you want to make a positive impact, that's the epitome of getting shit done. Hey guys, Ryan here. Thanks for joining me today. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please head over to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume audio and subscribe to 15 Minutes to Freedom. If this brought you value, please do me a favor and drop me a five-star rating. Then share this podcast with someone who needs to hear it. For additional content, head over to ryannidell.com. That's R-Y-A-N-N-I-D-D-E-L.com.